contest. No go. Yeah. No, no contest with your Fadre, huh? Yeah. He said, it's Father's Day. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. No, yeah, I mean, it was a busy weekend last weekend, so. What, what if I told you that I have not looked at the agenda all week long? I would believe you. So, uh, I, I'm sure you noticed that you're the only one that put shit on there. Yeah, I notice. I notice these things, definitely. So, uh, let's pull this thing up. Let's see how fat it is. Mm, it's not that bad. Oh, copy that. All considering. Did you end up uh, seeing Toy Story yet? No, we we're, we're, might do that tonight. We don't, we're not so sure yeah, man. Worth the watch. Yeah. Worth the watch. I'm sure. But yeah, well, maybe t- later tonight or something we'll do it. Get it done. Very cool. Get her done. You, know? you going to take the girl? No, probably not. She's like <laughs> Thank said, you. She's, uh, Thank you for being a sensible parent. Yeah, she's a little uh, like said, rowdy. A little, a little sick. I mean, she'll probably sit and watch, but I don't want to take the chance, you know. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. Yeah, the, I haven't even been outside today. It's just me in here. It's been a busy couple of weeks, man. Family parties every fucking week. Gotta love those, huh? Yeah, I got one more next week with Adam's child. Birthday or something? Yeah, birthday. First birthday. So we got that going. and then. So what you're telling me is that Adam's going to save up all his kids' birthday cash for me to build him a PC? I hope not. <laughs> that would be silly. But, um... Yeah, so we got that going. Um, yeah, it's like I said, like four weeks in a row of a family get-together thing, which normally isn't that big of a deal, but when they line up like that, it's just like, fuck, I just want to sit at home and stare at the wall. When the stars align. What the fuck, man? I'm all a mess now. You good? No, I'm all I'm gone for one week and this place goes to crap? Yeah, I'm a little discombobulated at the moment. Anyway. Uh, you ready? Oh, yeah. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode number 122. 122. Yeah, we are back after a week off. Uh, Gabe was out of town, and I was enjoying my Father's Day. So, yeah, that's basically just that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, so how was Father's Day for you, big guy? It was okay. It was okay? Yeah, it was okay. Did I mean, they get you anything? No. They didn't even try? No, I'm, I'm cool with that, though. I'm, I just kind of wanted to sit at home and do nothing, which is, like, my thing right now. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, because, as I mentioned, uh, a lot of family parties that have... Uh, Happened in the last couple of weeks. I just want to warn you out. Yeah, I just don't want to do anything really, to be honest. But yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's what's going on. It's a, a hot day based on the 30 seconds that I opened up the door for Gabe and Maddie to walk into, from what I can tell. Yeah, it's not bad out. It's hot. Yeah, uh, on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. Gabe, how was your uh, your week off and uh, all that stuff? Because I know you had a little bit of an adventure. Good. Um, I enjoyed my vacation, man. We went out to uh, Amish country in PA. Uh, what do we do? I'm like going through it in my head. Um, we, we did see your basic shit. I think I, what do we calculate? I think I ate 15 scoops of ice cream that week. Ooh. That was pretty brutal. We went every day <laughs> and yeah, man, that, that ice cream out there, that shit's something special. Like you think Chicago ice cream's good? Like you have your favorite like dairy place, creamery, ice creamery, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But dude out there, man, where it's made fresh daily from the Amish community. Ooh. Yeah. That shit's good. I saw, um, 
you had a Snapchat of an Amish person going through a drive-thru, which I thought was a... With their horse and buggy, yeah. yeah. No, that was 100% like dead serious. That wasn't like a fucking joke or anything. Yeah, I thought it was a hoot. Me and yeah. Adrian, me and Adrian had to go <laughs> that's pretty good, it. isn't it? Yeah, man. I mean, hey, man. You gotta uh, be part of society somehow, right? Yeah, I mean, we did some shopping. We hung out with uh, Maddie's family, all that good stuff. I ate, we ate 14 tacos the one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had swordfish tacos. I had a crispy rock shrimp taco. Uh, some roasted duck that was good. Some carne asada, all sorts of shit, man. That menu where, is pretty where good. Where are you getting it from? Uh, there's a place called Bar Taco, and we went to the one in uh, the King of Prussia Mall. So, yeah. yeah, man, we just fucking ordered hella hella tacos and just maxed out. That was nice. There was a there was a strip of stores in there where it was like a Louis Vuitton, a Gucci. Uh, like all these like really like high end stores, you know, back to back, maybe like ten of them. And at the very end of it, there was a Shake Shack. I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> true, 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 true. So yeah, so um, so when did you come back? Uh, yesterday. Oh shit, you were, you were out for a minute then. You were gone. Yeah, we you came were back, gone, uh, gone. We were gone for like a full week. Wow, and some change actually. Nice. So yeah, man, welcome back. I'm sure you're happy to be back. <laughs> Relatively. <laughs> yeah. So. As Gabe mentioned, that the majority of this agenda is actually mine because all of it, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, all of it. Look at that, all of it. <laughs> so, uh, hey man, when I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation. This I'm is true. Tommy. This is true. All right, so we're gonna open up with I don't know if you saw it yet, but they have a new uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood poster. Yeah, it's um, so Quentin's doing this thing, and I can't recall if he did it for the other movies. He's keeping everything super limited. Yeah, and he's kind of keeping information contained and this and that. Because that first teaser thing we got was eh. Yeah. Then we got the like real trailer, that Red Band one that we talked about two or three weeks ago. That one was you know a little bit more revealing. Yep. And this poster is kind of a uh, conservative for a Tarantino movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it, it falls kind of in line with the the movie posters of the time. Because like you know, uh, that's just kind of the style that he went along with it, which you know makes sense. Hey, if it's based in this time, want full immersion? Here you go. Here's a poster that looks like it's something from the time period, right? And uh, yeah, I just something I wanted to talk about. I thought it was pretty cool looking. I'd hang it up on a wall. It looks yeah, good. he's really selling the product, and uh, I'm sure if I enjoy the movie and it does well, which I'm sure it will, uh, it'll be hung up in its little Tarantino corner. Is there a Tarantino movie that you don't like? I don't particularly love Jackie Brown. But, I think that one's the weakest of them. But not particularly loving and not liking are two different things. Mm, here's my thing. I, I'd be a okay if I never rewatched that movie. But did you hate it? No. I, I didn't hate it. There's very few movies I like genuinely hate. You like know? what? I'd have to think about that for a bit because there's like a handful of them, you know, because I, I think it's one thing for a movie to, to get by. Um, and then I think it's a completely I think it's a it's a whole different accomplishment if you get me to hate something. You know really? what I'm saying? Really? You think it deserves its own banner at that point that it hangs in the ceiling, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't say a banner in the ce- ceiling, maybe like movie poster in the fireplace kind of deal. Oh. But, but uh, you know, you feel me? Like there's definitely movies that I'd never have to see again and I'd be A-OK because they were, you know, mediocre or bad or whatever the reason is. But if if I genuinely fucking hate a movie, like you already know I'm going to come in here like guns a-blazing with like 10 different reasons why I hate it. True, true, true. All right, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, it was a kind of a good looking trailer and I was interested in what it, uh, what you had your opinion on it. So Miramax is for sale. Uh, apparently they're looking for a buyer. This is, uh, directly affects Halloween. This directly affects, um, scream. So, uh, what, just, what's their, uh, what's their asking price? Did they throw I don't, I don't out think, there? I don't think it had it out and about like that, but uh, all I know is that they are looking for a buyer. Are they bankrupt or what's, what's the, what's well, up with them? I think they're, they're keeping it kind of low, 
low profile on that. I don't know uh, exactly what the circumstances are. All I know is that they are shopping around for a buyer. And then there's like a li- like a large library of films, obviously, that are behind it, like Google Hunting and all the Kevin Smith movies and all that are all Miramax. So cool. I guess uh, I guess Michael will be a uh, Disney property soon enough. Um, <laughs> and then we're gonna get PG thirteen Michael Meyer movies. I I mean I don't say it too loud, Gabe. It might actually they might <laughs> actually hear you. Hey man, you never know. You never know with yeah. uh, with what's going on right now. Apparently, speaking of Kevin Smith, and this is not in the docket, but it's related. Apparently, Kevin Smith has got himself his own show lined up. He's gonna have a new show come out. But doing something like an actual TV show. If it's anything remotely close to Comic Book Man, I'm sure we'll love it. I think uh, no, he says it's actually based on it's actually like a property, like an IP. He's like oh, his words. He we couldn't give too much details because I listen to his podcast almost every week, and he said uh, a well loved IP that they're letting us kind of have fun with. Ooh, yeah. I wonder what it could be. Yeah, so uh, I wonder if it's one of uh, the things he's worked on before. If it's something brand new, I'm thinking it's something new because um, it's like a. Like he said, that like they signed the check and kind of like okay, well maybe fun. it's something that's been around and they're like, hey, we need some uh, we need some new life in this IP. Maybe like Green Hornet or something like that. I think that'd be kind of cool. Kevin Smith is Green Hornet, huh? Not as Green Hornet, but as his sidekick. No, I'm saying like nobody can replace Bruce Lee, man. Having having, <laughs> having him be behind it, you know, kind of as a directing role and all that. So yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of things. Yeah, he's it, a, and that's a Miramax property that he's or or, or do we not know the property? No, we we don't know it. They okay. Said, all he said it was well loved. That's all he said. So uh, whoever is behind it, we don't Let me know. Get he, Kevin Smith behind like the animated Spider Man's. That'd be awesome. That would be cool. That'd be really good. Yeah. Or the animated Batman's. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How, how do we make a DC animated movie even better? You have one of the most competent writers. Yeah. Right behind it. Well, that and Mark Bernardin, who's his co-host on his podcast, who's mm-hmm. done like Castle Rock and stuff like that, and uh, he's a guy who, who's constantly like making movies better. Because I think you and I talk about how we sometimes we make movies better by pitch a better movie. He yeah. does that guy constantly. Um, you know, on his show. So I'm kind of interested in what he's got to say, because if he's writing too, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Let me get a uh, a schoolhouse rock revival with Kevin Smith behind it. <laughs> hey, yeah. that's that'd be uh, that'd be interesting, D, huh? D is for dope. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, what was that movie that Jack Black was in where he teaches the kids music? Was School it? of Rock. School of Rock. Yeah, let me get a School of Rock revival where it's Jack Black's last day before retirement, and he says, "I'm too old for this shit." And there's a class of underprivileged kids that need to learn how to appreciate music. Wasn't that another movie? I don't know. I don't anyway, fucking get, know. Let's not get into that. Sounds like a Robin Williams movie. It does. It really does. Anyway. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk Doctor Sleep. So um, I wasn't. I think you said it too. I wasn't aware that The Shining had a sequel in in publication. Okay, I knew that there was this big Stephen King universe because mm-hmm. uh, I know the It movie relates to something else that he wrote, mm-hmm. and I know Cujo and and like some of these books are set in the same universe, right? That, that show Castle Rock is based in the Stephen King universe, though. Yeah, I think you mentioned Castle Rock, yeah. right? But um. I didn't know that there was like a direct fucking sequel yeah. to this because I was watching the trailer. I was like, oh, this looks really good. This looks interesting. This looks new. And then it's like, well, I've been there before where all this magic kind of happens in one place and we called it The, the Shining. Shining. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> and then you see the scene with the axe and uh, Jack Nicholson yeah. breaking through. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a direct sequel. Yeah. And w- when did The Shining come out? 1989? 1990. No. Let me look. Let me look real quick. But I think it's maybe mid seventies. I could be wrong though. Let me look it up real quick. Mid seventy. Yeah, it might might actually be older than I'm giving it credit for because that was uh, Stanley Kubrick, right? Correct. Yeah. So I think my big thing is that um, you know Kubrick was known for his perfectionism and kind of how he directed movies. And granted, mm-hmm. you know, there's some uh, issues around some of some of the actors and how he treated them and whatever, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, 
that movie is without a doubt a classic. Absolutely. It will always be. And I'm kind of curious to see how the sequel goes because I know you and I approach these things very carefully and uh, with a lot of caution. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, man. The trailer looks good. It's supposed to. I, I'm, I'm kind of torn up on this. I, I want it to be good and I want it there to be like a modern day shining. Yeah. Because uh, the closest thing we've got was what, like The Conjuring and like uh, uh, Insidious, Insidious, you know? Yeah. But those were kind of in different veins as a yeah. horror movie as a whole. But um, I'm interested, man. It's it's grabbed my attention. Yeah, uh, it's the 80s, by the way. Uh, 1980, exactly. 1980, okay. Yep. So I wasn't too far off. Yep. So this is almost 40 years later. Yeah. And uh, Ewan McGregor is uh, playing Danny. Fucking love Ewan. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I think he's going to bring some good, you know, some good shit to the role. And I guess, uh, I mean, it's, it's okay because, you know, like I said, you and I usually approach these things with, like, caution. But, I mean, it's a Stephen King book. The Doctor Sleep is an actual book that he came out with that's, you know, so it's his thing. It's based on his thing, and he knows what he's doing, right? So, um, assuming that it doesn't totally suck, you know, I'm sure it's going to be good. I, I'm just, uh, I think the big thing that like um, your film critics are going to look at is they're going to look at The Shining's directing style and all its little intricacies, and then look at Doctor Sleep in the same like magnifying glass. Yeah, I agree. Because you're if if you're going to do a sequel like that, you got to have it up to par. It's got to be at minimal the same like quality. Of story, direction, directing, and all that shit, you know. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's kind of a hard, a hard thing to hit, um, you know, because we have our own opinions on The Shining. But I think, like you said, overall, I think everybody can kind of view it as a kind of a masterpiece, absolute classic in every sense of the word. And um, it has a lot to do with the directing style of Kubrick, because Kubrick is an interesting guy, obviously. And like you said, the whole relationship he had with his cast is not here nor there. But um, I guess we'll have to see. Um, from the shots, I, from what I saw in the trailer, it seems like it's a well-shot film at the very least. It looks good. And um, like I said, I think Ewan could bring some, um, what's the one I'm looking for? Some uh, some love, some finesse. Yeah, some, some finesse to this so, role. Some of that uh, good old General Kenobi spice to... Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I, uh, no, I think he's a phenomenal actor and I think he'll knock it out of the ballpark. I'm actually looking, really looking forward to it, to be honest. So I think at a bare minimum, it has the world interested. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, I think it's one of those rare cases where everybody's like, oh, come on, leave it alone. It's not one of those things. So that's good. I'm, I'm glad for it. And uh, hopefully it's good. I'm going to check we it out. We will pay attention to your career with uh, great interest. Absolutely. I'm yeah. just making prequel references left and right. Yes, you are. You're on top of it today. But um, so, yeah, move it along. Uh, th- so this is something I wanted to get into. So uh, last weekend, mm-hmm. me and Adriana went headfirst into the Purge franchise, right? Did you watch all of them? Yeah, all of them. Um so I kind of want to give the Purge movie its props. I think we've talked about it in the past, but I cannot recall another franchise that movie after movie after each new movie that comes out, they address issues from the previous film. So the first, I think the first Purge, I think not not the first, the first movie called The Purge <laughs> was, uh, I think we all kind of can kind of agree. It was an interesting little concept for a movie. You know, it's original. It was, it was cool. But the execution was the execution was a little shoddy. It wasn't a horrible movie by any means of the the word. But I think the problem with it was, is that everybody's like, well, it all takes place in a house. And whether crime is legal or not is irrelevant because it's a home invasion movie. Right. So whatever is happening inside the house is circumstantial at that point. Right. Absolutely. So there was that. And everybody's like, well, I want to see what's happening out on the streets because I'm sure people are going nuts. Right. Like that was like the main problem with the first purge or the. First movie called The Purge. There you go. And then the second one comes out in the streets of, was it L.A.? L.A., yeah. Or was it Chicago? I think part of it was filmed in Chicago. Yeah, I think so. But uh, as far as like the location, it was taking place in L.A. And like you said, the the whole premise of the film was all 
let's go out in the streets and fucking see what's going on. But at that point, it kind of took this thing and evolved. It evolved the the formula. It didn't just make it kind of a straightforward kind of a horror movie. They're like, well, there's a big old conspiracy behind it. There's there was the kind of the political undertones behind it, which they really went head forward in the next one. But that's kind of my next point. But they kind of took the action aspect of it all and said, fuck it. We're going to make this kind of an action horror genre. It had some, you know, interesting characters. They you know, obviously they have, you know, the background to kind of fill in the, the body count to make you know, people get picked off one by one. Also, um, it's just kind of a neat little setup. You know, the circumstances of being lost or caught while the purge took, started and this couple was out there. Right. And how they're going to make it, how they're going to survive, et cetera, et cetera. And kind of harping on some of the other things uh, like in, in family problems, like families who have issues allowing to address those issues in a very violent way during the purge. So a lot of interesting things they brought to the table with the second one on top of the fact that they introduced this character who was like an action, total ba- badass action, badass. Yeah. Uh, I called him solid snake in the movie cause it's basically what he is uh, throughout the whole entire film. And yeah, it, it, it was cool. It had a nice little, like you said, the, the political undertones and on top of the fact they mentioned, um, you know, kind of like the tale of revenge. Is it really worth it in the end? Is it going to make you feel better? And it didn't. Right. So there was that. Now, I think the next movie, the election, the election year was kind of the it dipped a little bit. Not like it was it didn't completely fall off a cliff. I don't know why everybody hated it. It looked like the reviews. People weren't very fond of it. Um, visually, it's a stunning film, though. They have some really good looking shots in the fucking movie. Like they have these girls who are nuts and they bedazzled like a gun. It was kind of dope looking and like took a whole fucking car and wrapped it in Christmas lights. It was some, there's some good stuff in there. And that like, it went full bore with all the political aspects of it all. Like this fucking, the new founding fathers, how they're fuck boys and doing some horrible fucking shit and killing people in the middle of a church and all this fucked up shit. And, um, took that and really ran with it, relying on the same, um, same character and all that good stuff. But they kind of addressed an issue that I had in all the other previous purge movies, but they're like, I'm like, well, what happens to all these bodies? Like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they they said, hey, there is a purge cleanup going as the purge is taking place, and they're kind of like free from their um, from harassment. There we go. Yeah. So <laughs> don't shoot us. We're just cleaning up bodies. Yeah. Also, and I and the in the the trailer of the film because they were like going after a political figure. I'm like, well, didn't they say that you know political figures of above a certain level weren't allowed to be like targeted? Um. Well, they're like, well, this year we're going to fucking whoever, the president, if you want him, you can get to him. He's yours. So they kind of addressed that as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's the election year. And then the last one, which is the first purge, which is why it's confusing to me, was fucking awesome. It was straight up, like almost like a straight up action film. Still had some of the horror elements to it, but it took the first purge. They kind of quarantined it and kept it in one little area. All the political undertones as well. And took this this character who was a drug dealer like mob boss and his neighborhood. And it's like, fuck it. Like these people are coming in and killing our, our people. Fuck that. We're going to defend the neighborhood. And that's essentially what they did. It was fucking dope. Gotcha. And thus the Crips were born. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no kidding. Of course. But um, I'm glad you found some, uh, some new life for these yeah. movies. Cause I feel like they've definitely gone off the wayside, at least attention wise. Cause I remember that first one was coming out and everybody was talking about the purge, even the second one. Cause I saw the second one in theaters and I quite enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but there was just this massive like hype train around it where it's like, Oh my God, these movies are going to be the next big thing, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of were for, you know, the two or three years that mm-hmm. they were in the limelight. Yeah. But now we've got, you know, obviously with the return, with the resurrection of Halloween, I guess. Right. And yeah. like all these IPs coming back from the eighties and stuff, it's kind of get, getting much harder for a newer idea to break through but it is refreshing yeah. at the end of the day, whether it was executed, you know, shoddily like the first one or whether they got better with time, like two and so forth. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's good, man. I think that um, 
I think that with some time and love and some good writing, I think the purge can make its way into like maybe like a solid B or C tier like yeah, action horror kind I, of movie. I, I think definitely that's it. I know they have a, a TV show. I know that. Uh, I don't know how violent they can get with it, but I think it's interesting enough. And um, like I said, I give them credit because it would be very easy for them to kind of ignore the rules from the previous film and just make it up as they go. They didn't seem to do that. They seemed to actually kind of... Take put, care. Yeah, put some thought into what they wrote down, and they're like, okay, how does this make sense? It's got to make sense. And it doesn't feel like a total cop-out, like they're rewriting it. It was just like, hey, well, here's why. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I give them credit for it, and I enjoyed these films uh, overall. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice little franchise. We'll see what happens in the future. Uh, but I know that I enjoyed it. And speaking of franchises that... Uh, so, uh, yeah, I saw this on here. Um, so... First off, I want to talk about it because after The Purge, me and Adrian are like, well, let's watch the Predator movies that are available, right? So we watched the newest Predator, by the way. Yeah. Did you, I, well, you told me you enjoyed it, right? Yeah, that movie is fucking dope. It's yeah, horrible. Really it's horrible. But but it's awesome because it's fucking Predator and it's what you want to see. You want to see Predator mow down some motherfuckers. This is just over-the-top action, big old explosions. Yeah. Um, kind of bringing the 80s stereotypes, but with modern Yeah, absolutely. Aesthetics. So uh, it took that, and uh, there's a line. I told you there was a line that almost made me shut off the movie. Yeah, what's the line? Where it was Olivia Munn's character, because I guess they, they capture a predator. They capture him. They have him on the table. The scene that you've seen from the, the trailer. From the trailer yeah. And she's like, oh, man, you are one beautiful motherfucker. I'm like, oh, come on. I almost shut off the fucking movie. I couldn't take it. <laughs> I couldn't take it. It's too much cheese for yeah, you. Too much for me. Anyway, watched it. It was awesome. But you know, it allowed us to get into the Alien versus Predator movies, because... Adrian doesn't really know anything about the Predator. I, I've noticed because uh, she was asking a lot of questions. I'm like, but don't you? You know, you should probably know that. So over the last couple of weeks, last two weeks or so, I've gotten her like full bore onto the Predator train. She like loves this shit. So we watched Alien vs. Predator today on top of the Predators, the 2010 movie, which was really fucking good, by the way. Um, so we watched Alien vs. Predator. I mean, it's wonderfully cheesy. It's in the same era of uh, like the Freddy vs. Jason. So it's kind of funny how we harped on that a little bit and got into this. Um you know, I, I actually think that it's a wonderful movie. Yeah, yeah, there's some cheese to it, but everything is concise. Everything, well, most things, I should say, make sense within the aspects of each other's universe. Are we talking about Alien vs. Predator or Freddy vs. Alien vs. Predator. Oh, because, yeah, basically, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of the, yeah, the, the same. They're on par. Um, well, you know, I think it was funny because you said, well, we watched the Predator movies and then got into AVP. Well, me and Maddie did it the other way. We watched the Alien movies and then got into AVP. Yeah. I was telling, so, uh, I told her that I'm like, Gabe's from more from the Alien side, and I'm more from the Predator side, and like that's just you know how it the nature out. of things, yeah, yeah. Just, just how it worked out. And uh, so yeah, she really likes them. She's like, well, I want to see the original now. I'm like, you're not ready for that. I'm like, your face will melt with how manly that fucking film is. Like, you, <laughs> you couldn't take it. But anyway, um, but yeah, so. It's a fun little movie, man. Uh, like you said, it, it lines up with each other pretty well. Um, I like how the you know the comic book continuity kind of is like, well, this is why this makes sense, and these these things belong together. Well, okay, even that you have a reason for both creatures being on Earth, right? The predators put this breeding pyramid inside of was like Antarctica or whatever, right? Yeah. Like way deep down under the soil, and they that's like their their rite of passage where they bag and tag an alien right yeah and so they come to earth once every whatever how many fucking years. years yeah once every hundred years when the predator when it's time for the predator to mature they release one of these aliens from the pyramid and they hunt it down yeah and that's so like think about it that works so beautifully with the nature of predator and their whole hierarchy and how they're like 
civilization works, right? Yeah. But then you have the alien side of things, or an alien will adapt to anything you fucking give it. Yeah. You throw it on Earth, it'll f- survive just fucking fine. Deep Space Nine, you got it, bro. We're, mm. we're out here. Yeah. And so it evolves into this like ragtag game of like cat and mouse, really, at the end of the day, where the humans are caught in the fucking middle, which is this like beautiful breath of fresh air, because I feel like in both series, it's been like man versus the unknown, where Predator comes down to Earth, and you have, you know... All these big old 80s machos guys like, oh, what the fuck? Get to the chopper type of shit, you know? And then same with the alien kind of aspect of things, right? But then here you have us as like the the innocent bystander at the end of the day. Yeah. Because all the the, the humans did in this was just discover the pyramid. And they, I think they tripped it a little bit earlier before the alien, the predator arrival, right? I think that was... Just, just as they were arriving. Just as yeah. they arrived, right? And so at the end of the day, it's like, we're just caught in the fucking middle. And yeah. we're seeing... Like it's Godzilla versus Mothra right now, but yeah. on a way toned down scale. Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, yeah, man, it, it was awesome because I think because um, even the predators kind of recognize the fact that like okay, like these alien things they can't they can't spread because it'll be too much. They know, yeah, yeah, they'll be too much. But like you said, so they kind of created this pyramid, which is like a prison, like a breeding prison for these aliens, just so they could fucking kill, so they could sharpen up their skills and earn it. Because like like you said, it's like a rite of passage for them, right? Only the bad motherfuckers survive, right? That's basically the gist of it. They had this fucking alien in captivity, or the, the, the queen yep. in captivity just breeding so they could hunt them. And uh, and eventually, you know, they took kind of the, the female lead. Let's get a little cheese ball, I guess, but they're like, oh, now you're equal with us. So he, like, makes her up like a fucking makeshift weapon, and it's like, okay, you, you ride with me because... We need to live, <laughs> basically, and that's what that's why I like the predator the most is because he has an honor system. Yeah, and he's like, if you're worthy, you can, you know, I'm not going to murder you. Or if you're, you mentioned it with Michael Myers one time in, in the movie, the most recent movie, like it's not suitable prey. And if you're not suitable prey to the predator, he's not going to hunt you down. He's not going to kill you. Well, even then, it was more of like a, I'd say like a temporary truce because. Yeah, you know, well, you kill the humans, and it's like that doesn't do anything for your standing in society at the end of the day because yeah. you're here to catch an alien, not a human. Yeah, you know, so it's realizing that you need to work together to get the job done. Yeah, so yeah, it was it's a fun little film, man. I mean, I think these movies kind of get shit on because from the outside, mm-hmm. it's a little ridiculous, right? I, think, I you could say that for any monster mashup, honestly, abso- absolutely. But if you're a fan. You're gonna love it, and that's and it's kinda, executed well, yeah. like this, like Freddy versus Jason. You know, both movies have their flaws, and both movies have their ups at the end of the day. But like to the fan bases, I think these movies are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just don't watch AVP too. That one's a total yeah, shit I'm, show. I'm staying away from that. I, I had to turn that off halfway. I was like, I'm not fucking watching this. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It was this because it started to kind of shit on itself at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Had a it didn't. With that. <clears throat> there was trace amounts of respect. Oh, okay. And it felt really forced in my opinion i i like the kind of cliffhanger where like where they bring home the predator's body and then you see like the little xenomorph in them mm-hmm. i like that and i think that would have been an okay ending but the fact that they had to bring it back down to earth and this like suburban thing and now you have like this like crocodile alien in the sewers and it's just fucking ridiculous man. yeah man so yeah it's a it's a film i enjoyed speaking of crocodile in the sewer have you seen the trailer for this movie called swarm swarm i have not no so basically it's What's the word I'm looking for? It's piranha. Mm-hmm. It's anaconda with a crocodile. Cool. Um, <laughs> I remember when piranha came out, dude. I was like terrified to swim for like a week or so. Yeah. Um, I, that's all I got to say about it. Yeah. I, we, we've gotten so many of these like deep sea creature movies and stuff. And yeah. What was the last one? The Meg? Yeah. That was more of an action thing. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, so this one takes in it's taking the whole Hurricane Katrina things like, well, now the crocodiles are fucking in the water with you. <laughs> that kind of situation. Honestly, you could probably just make a like a deep sea documentary and that'd be fucking terrifying. Yeah, enough as it is. Yeah, that shit's terrifying. Absolutely. You can't fuck around with the shit at the bottom of the sea. No, you cannot. Absolutely. Moving along. So what's next on the docket? We got so E three gaming. Yeah. E three happened while you were gone. Well, actually it happened before you were gone, but Hey, we're back and we're able to talk about some stuff. All right. So, anything catch your eye? I didn't watch it. You didn't watch anything on anything? Yeah. Okay. I saw, I, I caught the memes at the end. That's all I'm here for. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So, Cyberpunk got its release date, which is some point next year. Keanu Reeves is in it. Cool. So, that's cool. Uh, didn't sound like him. It looked like him. He came out and they had the Keanu. Have you seen these memes with him yeah, coming yeah, out with, with a smaller version of himself? <laughs> um, so, they got those going. And, um, so yeah, that's fine. I guess Cyberpunk looks good. I'm interested in what uh, what they do with it moving forward. But uh, so there's that. Next up, Project Scarlet talked about that as it happened. Uh, they announced that the Xbox is coming out with a new thing, which I guess Project Scarlet is their official title. Interesting departure from the uh, usual nomenclature. Yeah, I mean they don't really have one. To be fair, well they had like the Xbox something. Yeah, it was the Xbox. Then it was the 360. Then it was the Xbox One, which kind of doesn't make sense. Confusing. In the but it was yeah. it, it was. Um, it was normalized to to a sense where you're, you know, you're expecting Xbox something like the Xbox Scarlet. I think would have made more sense. Yeah, or or a number. Yeah. You know? Why why they why why do they feel the need to not kind of follow the order with that? Well, you know, for a while there, you remember those old YouTube videos where it was like, oh, leaks of the Xbox Seven Twenty. You yeah. remember that? I I think they should have just ran with that, just ran and fucking took it. Yeah. But seven, whatever. Seven Twenty, Ten Eighty, and then then they maybe figure out something new because nobody's gonna say Xbox. What's the next one? 4K. <laughs> yeah, whatever. See, but, we know those because we played the Tony Hawk games. So it goes from 360 to yeah. 540 to 720. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's that. I mean, I guess they could have went to 542 and just kind of kept on. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, you know what I find hilarious about this whole thing is that, like, uh, I don't want to, like, trash on console, but I think it's hilarious that they're just getting, like, these kind of, like, updated bits and pieces. Like, the whole... We talked about the PS5 leak and how it loaded up Spider-Man in, like, what, point whatever seconds, as yeah, opposed yeah. to the PS4 Pro, which took a full 10. Yeah. Because they're using modern fucking technology, solid-state drives, because they've become so cheap to a point where it makes sense to put it in a console mm-hmm. for, you know, the $500 press print or whatever it is. Yeah. I And then, you know, like, the modern graphics. And, like, the whole big thing about Project Scarlet was, like, oh, you know, uh, like... What was it like 120 frames per second at whatever revolution resolution? Yep. And like they're like, oh, you know, like never before seen. It's like, well, Microsoft, you make PCs, like you see this shit all the fucking time. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a little silly. But I, you know, like I'm not here to trash on it. I just think that like it, it's good for consoles to finally catch up. Like, I agree. Don't, but don't act like this is like brand fucking new. This Absolutely. has been around, you know, first time ever seen before. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. So, uh, so yeah, that's interesting. And uh, obviously, PPS has remained silent. I think it's hilarious that it's going to be if it's the x if it's an xbox it's the xbox ps for short <laughs> project scott yeah, yeah that's kind of goofy that's a little funny anyway moving along uh so ubisoft's presentation so ubisoft is a i guess a team that we have relative respect stock in. for yeah. yeah stock respect in and then uh they had they announced a few things and i'm gonna go over mm-hmm. a few of these if you don't mind yeah by all means uh watchdogs legions who the fuck asked for another watchdogs nobody asked for the second one fix the uh game engine fix the mechanics and refine watchdogs before you drop another one. Yeah. Because it's been, what, like a year, maybe two? Yeah, two, I think two. Because Nikki bought the last watchdogs. I remember watching him play it. Yeah. So it's like if you're going to serialize a game like this, which it does, it's, isn't too absurd. 
Yeah. But you got to make sure you, you got to take the Call of Duty approach, man. You got to polish that thing up. It's got to feel good in the hand. It's got to make yeah. sense. And I, I played the first Watch Dogs when it came out and I was like super hyped for it because it was supposed to be amazing. And it was just okay. Yeah. yeah. It was just okay. Uh, so, yeah, Watch Dogs 3. Nobody asked for Watch Dogs 2, so I don't know why we're getting a 3. <laughs> uh, Gods and Monsters saw a little bit on this. Uh, this is kind of like the Greek mythology thing. Uh, it looks like uh, kind of Breath of the Wild a little bit aesthetically. So it looks cool. Uh, this game is something I'm actually interested in. Uh, it's called Roller Champions, which is kind of like a Rocket League kind of roller derby looking thing. Cool. Uh, that looks like fun. I think if uh, if they give it enough depth, that could be a lot of fun to play. I, I have I know they have like an alpha out there right now, but I'm not going to touch it until it's more a little bit more refined. But uh, it looks cool. And uh, this was something that's interesting because I did not expect this one. Rainbow Six Quarantine. So what do you think this is? Is it a zombie version with the Rainbow Six like engine? It is Rainbow Six with Rainbow Six characters, the all the ops, and it looked kind of like Outbreak, uh-huh. but uh, apparently it's its own full board thing, and they're gonna actually like create levels for it and have so, be its own so standalone. So you get like thermite smoke. All all the people we love and care about mm-hmm. are in this game. Yes, but it's essentially a zombies game. Yeah, or an Outbreak kind of ordeal. Yeah. And it's its own standalone game. It's not a... Uh, so you're telling me I'm going to have to buy these characters twice now? Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess so. Because if you already have the year pass, you should just double dip and make that the same year pass for both games. Well, I don't know what the what's the intention. I, th- I don't think... Not every op is going to translate over to this new thing. It can't. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, you can't... You know, like, what is that you're going to do to a fucking zombie? He's going to throw an EMP grenade? What are they going to do? Whoa. I mean, like... Well, I'm sure if you have those exploding, uh, like, in a terrorist hunt, you could have exploding zombies. Yeah. I like, mean, those I big motherfuckers. I guess. Um, so, yeah, from what I saw in the trailer, we saw Vigil. We saw Ella. And um, I think Thermite was the one that was on the ground. So uh, interesting choice. Yeah. So it's it's, it's a uh, multi, it's a co-op game. Three three ops at a time. Go over I guess over the story and kind of see how it works. Huh. Cool in execution. I'm glad they realized because I feel like a lot of people liked Outbreak. Yeah. It wasn't bad uh, in its concept. I just feel like the ops we got out of Outbreak, you know, uh, Lion and Finca were grossly broken and whatever. We're not gonna dive into Rainbow Six talk, but I think that it was overall a fun experience. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that they're recognizing that. My whole big thing is that like. This was a free kind of three month thing, and now they're probably gonna charge a full sixty for it on top of DLC and stuff. And mm-hmm. then, and and then like w- literally what I just said. What if you have an op on Rainbow Six? What if your favorite op is like a year four op or whatever, right? Like let's just say you love Maestro, which you do. I do. Um, and then he's an option in this outbreak thing or this quarantine thing, and now you might have to double dip and buy him again. Yeah. And what's the sense in that? I, th- I think they're definitely going to have to tread lightly on that. On that, I think the best way to do it is, like I said, double dip with the season pass. Like the first thing that game should do is check your Rainbow Six stuff and all the DLC you have for that. Mm-hmm. And if they're available in quarantine and you have them in six, that you should just unlock them right there. I'm okay with that. Because I'd pay the full 60 at that point. But if I'm going to have to double dip with rebuying all these characters, wait. then what's the point? Yeah, might as well wait at that you know? point. Granted, I play Thermite on attack, but like all my defense ones, all my ferrets are like DLC. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I, I guess, uh, like I said, they definitely would have to tread lightly on that. I agree with you on that. Um, but I think they're trying to, to get like a story mode going with it, so that's interesting. And I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, that's good, I, though. I feel like we always ask for more story out of the ops in Rainbow Six. Yeah, and uh, it's not it's not a part of the this is not a Siege team thing. This they have their own separate team for this this little project. So I'm glad it's not taken away from Siege because I think the last thing anybody needs to be doing right now is be taking away any kind of ascension from from Siege because we're on a good steam train. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 chugging along and uh, it's good stuff, man. I can't I can't you know praise them enough on that. 
Um, oh, I mean, I think there was one other thing on the Ubisoft presentation that I wanted to talk about. Uh, the Vision 2 is going free to play. Good. Good for them. And that's about it. So, um, yeah, so that was Ubi's presentation. I thought it was all right. Word has, has finally come out that uh, Santa Monica Studios has officially started the next God of War game. So that's coming out eventually at some point, probably within the next five, six years, seeing how long it takes. Take but, your time with it. Yeah, take your time with it. Uh, you so, deserve it at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing. Blair Witch. Blair Witch. So What's up with this? We getting a game? It's, it's a Slenderman game. Slenderman 2.0? Yeah, where it's getting a game, and uh, I guess they're playing around with the lore a little bit. And if you explore deep enough and make it long enough you kind of get to be able to kind of unravel some of the secrets of the player which it's first person so obviously you have a flashlight so kind of like slender man i think that's fair to say but based in the player Witch world which i'm a fan of i like the stuff so i like the most recent player Witch that came out i actually thought it was pretty good i uh i think this thing has a lot of potential because uh horror games i've always kind of been a sucker for like yeah amnesia uh slender man was fun when it came out and all that stuff i think that if you imply uh or employ some of the mechanics that we saw in the first movie and i know i'm like grossly translating here right but like the whole thing was that they, that they got lost in the woods and anybody who ever gets lost in the woods knows that if you go one direction for long enough you'll find something yeah. right and i think what might be interesting is like if you're playing and like your character gets dehydrated or you sprint too fast like your compass goes haywire or your character will like turn without like you totally recognizing it and that'll lead you in circles yeah you know i think implying uh, some of the shit that made the first movie creepy into like a gameplay mechanic. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's definitely that's something that's interesting. Now, what about what you said? Because logistically, you are 100% correct about the whole what thing, right? But uh, in the second, in the most recent, the Blair Witch movie, they mm -hmm. kind of explained that. What was the the explanation? That it's magic, basically. Well, I've heard uh, <laughs> I've heard an explanation. I don't know what the validity of this is, but um, I've heard that like the Blair Witch takes place in like a weird pocket dimension. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, granted, they could have gone one direction, but if it, like, repeats like that, they would have essentially not gotten anywhere. Yeah. And that's the whole, like, Curse of the Witch thing. But yeah. that's one of many explanations for the movie, yeah, the fan like, theories. Like, they, they lose a guy, and then they find him with, like, a full, like, beard going and everything like that. He's kind of lost it. So, like, yeah, like you said, it's kind of... Well, kind of, weird. Kind of in his own little, like, little dimension, like you said, so... Yeah, man, Um, have some fun with it. Take some creative liberties, because this is definitely a franchise that you can do that with. Absolutely. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the fans of the series like me would love kind of the little secrets that we get along the way. Yeah. Little nods, Easter eggs, if you will, uh, of the franchise. So that's something that I, I picked out out of. And uh, last but not least, Nintendo. So I think as I am not breaking ground when I say I think Nintendo kind of won the E3 this year. They they won a lot of E3s, man. I feel like this is the first one you've grossly paid all that attention to them, you know? Yeah, well, definitely it's definitely the one that we ran away with. The, like, far and away. Yeah, yeah far, far and away, light years ahead of everybody else. Because obviously, they, they talked about the new uh, Zelda. Uh, I think that's going to be Breath hype. of the Wild too. Yep. A lot of darker tone. I love it. Yep. The aesthetic is gorgeous on it. I love that like dark tint. Yeah. Uh, they did that. Uh, they talked about Luigi's Mansion 3, which... <clears throat> yeah, you're going to get a Switch. Yeah, I'm a, which I'm a mark for. I, I think that's hilarious that this might be the game that sells you. Yeah, th I think this is it. Uh, I think the only other game that could do it was like a Metroid. If they had miles of Metroid, or yeah, like a Metroid. I'm like, Would yeah. you settle for a Metroid collection? No. No, you'd no. need a new Metroid? I, I would need a new one, yeah. I get you. Metroid's like the only other thing that would like really sell me out but once i saw it i'm like god damn these motherfuckers they know what they're doing they know what they're doing absolutely and luigi manson looks like a shit ton of fun so i dude i was telling you i hope that the switch drops down to like around 200 bucks during the holiday seasons 
Because, like you said, they ran away with E3 this year. And if that thing drops down to 200 bucks, there's really no reason for you to not get one, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, hopefully, it's good stuff. And uh, I definitely want it. God damn it. So, like, yeah, I titled the, the thing. Or Nintendo might have finally done it. And what they might have finally done has gotten me and Gabe to buy a Switch. But what was the last Nintendo console you owned? Like, actually owned? Yeah. Well, the Wii wasn't mine. It was my sister's. But you guys had a Wii. We had a Wii. Did you dump enough time on it to no. say you had a Wii? No. 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 The last Nintendo con- con- I actually owned, owned. What, a 64? A 64. Gotcha. I had a, I had a DS, and before that, I had a Game Boy Advance. The big thing I'm looking forward to is just getting back into Pokemon, bro. I've been yeah. out of the loop for long enough, like 10 years now. Definitely. They have Sword, Sword and Shield now because they're running out of things to... <laughs> mirror, yeah. mirror each other x and y black and white <laughs> all those things but uh so yeah nintendo did it attaboy and moving along so actually we got uh did you get a chance to listen to this yes oh. i did i uh i reviewed it i got some thoughts on it all right so we got two things to talk about here uh and on your your what, this is your thing you're you're supposed to do music news and reviews. oh for music news and reviews sorry yeah. it's been two weeks yeah he, he's, <laughs> he's a little rusty ladies and gentlemen but it is what it is so but we are back with this and so, retro review, I summoned Gabe to do I Set the Kill Broken Frames, and I want your opinion on it. Sure. Um, I listened to this all the way through, and you know, me and Maddie always joke that you're picky. Whether it's what you eat or what you listen to, you're kind of picky in, in your nature, right? And if you, if somebody would have played this and told me that you, like, like you enjoy this stuff, I would have probably been like, nah, man, you're full of shit. Maybe a track or two. Um, he, here's the best way I can compare this, right? If... I wrestled the bear once is the Coca-Cola formula with cocaine in it. This is like Coke zero. It's within the same realm, same product really, you know, but there's a lot of differences in how it's constructed and the way it's laid out. Uh, I remember you told me you have, you, you spent the one warp tour with the girl from I set to kill. Yeah. Okay. So I think that this is delightfully uh, bubbly with a hint of like metalcore and punk. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily label this album as either of those two things inherently. I would probably put it in like the harder rock category with influences of both. I agree. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fun album. I think it has its high points where you could totally tell that like, hey, we're doing a metalcore song now. Listen up. Here's some nice growls. Here's some aggressive riffs and stuff like that. And then they bring it back down and they do something like a slower song with like soft rock tones and like almost a different style of production almost. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it was a it was a bit of roller coaster for me, man. There was a handful of tracks I enjoyed, and there was a handful where I was kind of like skip. Uh, I I didn't skip them because uh, we're doing a retro review, and you know if I'm listening to it, I'm gonna listen to it all the way, yeah. whether I'm dreading it or whether I'm enjoying it. I didn't hate them, but they definitely felt like filler. Uh, I wouldn't say filler, man. I feel like the girls wanted their moments, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's just kind of this weird loose cohesiveness to this album. Where I felt like kind of the only thing binding everything together was the name. Like, I Set the Kill. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah. It wasn't a bad album overall, but I feel like it was very... Um, let's take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a little bit from there. It's like when you have two different recipes for something. And instead of sticking with one, you you decide to find a third and kind of mix them all together. Sometimes it works, but other times, you know, it might not. And mm-hmm. I think in this case, it it worked to an extent. But when you sit down and listen to it, especially from like an outsider's perspective, like myself, uh, you, you notice, you notice the weird things in between. Absolutely. So what was your familiarity with this band before? You've mentioned them, heard a couple singles, never really sat down listening to an album. Okay. So I will say that 
when the album came out, I thought it was so fucking good. And looking back now, I think this is one of the first times in retro review that I'm like, man, I think you just had a crush on her boy. Well, I definitely did. That's not, that's, <laughs> that's not a, that's not a secret, but I like, I still enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed some certain aspects over others, but I'm like, maybe there was some bias going on with there. Cause just because a, I had a really positive experience when I met them mm-hmm. and talked to them, um, had, you know, and I liked them a lot and live, Live was fucking phenomenal. They were really good back then. Um, but I listened to the album all the way through, and I'm like, okay, like you said, some standout tracks, definitely Broken Frames. The, 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 yeah, the title know, track. The title track comes to mind. Some things in between, you know, the listening, all that good stuff. There's some good songs on there, definitely. Uh, I think production-wise, I'd 100% agree with you. There's very disjointed in certain songs. Some songs don't blend well with others. It, it feels like maybe two or three people did the production on this one. I yeah. can almost assure you that it was one guy. Yeah, they they definitely needed... I think the, al- the album itself would could have benefited from having maybe some of the tracks laid out differently because it's just like... Like you said, there's like this... Especially in the middle where you're like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we get it, right? Uh, but what I will say is um, from their previous effort... Um, this is a lot better because uh, I was always a fan of them. I always liked them to a certain extent, but um, the last album uh, you couldn't get like anything outside of like one tone from the clean vocalist, Alexia. You couldn't get nothing out of uh, like anything at all. But to be fair, you know, the album was written for somebody else to be saying and they kind of quit last minute. So she had to fill in. So I get her credit for that. And this one, you could definitely tell she found her own voice uh, in, in the middle of all of it. So I enjoyed the album overall. Uh, but like I said, I think kind of the first time when I'm like when we, that we've gone back on an album, I'm like I don't. This doesn't line up to the way I remember it in my head. To the way it felt when it came out. Yeah, and like I said, there could be some bias there because I had a super positive experience with that. I mean, it's not a bad album by any means. Yeah, that's um, fine. I think it's creative enough that it stands out, and it's definitely like I feel like if you played another track by him, I'd be like, yeah, this is I set to kill. Yeah, you know, you kind of get to know the personality, but there was some technical production and and some kind of in betwixt stuff that we're. Well, at least that I experienced that I was like, kind of, this is, this needs some love and some, yeah. some aloe. Absolutely. There's that. And, uh, I will say, I mean, like I said, I, I, I was biased, but anything after this is just, no mess. It's yeah, I, I'm like, no interest. That's okay, man. That, uh, it happens to bands. Yeah. Bands and grow and, uh, because like they lost kind of like who they were cause they had, a, they had a hard time keeping a lineup. Right. Uh, from what I understand now, I don't want to put any of these business out there. Uh, but from what I understand, the lead vocalist, the chick, was extremely difficult to get along with. Uh, from what I get, from what I picked up, and actually, the bass player is her sister, and apparently they don't even talk anymore. They're not in the, she's not in the That's band. Wild. Yeah, they don't talk. Um, I actually did a um, Instagram Live thing because she does her own music. It's kind of like hippy dippy stuff, and uh, I'm like, well, what happened? And she said, well, we just don't talk anymore. Like we don't. It's like uh, who was it? Oasis, where the two yeah. brothers don't fucking talk anymore. Yeah, she's like, we just don't talk anymore. It's like that's kind of sad. It's horrible, actually. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, that's something that's interesting. So speaking about bands evolving and growing, um, <laughs> so you put this on here. This is kind of old news because this single came out two maybe three weeks ago. Hundredth uh, came out. Yeah, <clears throat> this has been out. Hundredth came out with a track called Whatever. Uh, I have some thoughts and theories about the way we feel about this thing. Um, I want you to talk about it though, because you're the one that kind of brought it up. You're the one that was kind of frazzled. Um, so I listened to the song, and they've definitely they've even strayed away from the song, the sound that they had in the previous album, where that yep. was a little bit more mm-hmm. sonically interesting and had some elements that I enjoyed. So obviously, it wasn't hundredth, but I'm not gonna be not what we love hundredth yeah. for. 
Um, I think that's important to discern here. Yeah, they definitely had stuff in there that was at least interesting to me to hear. Uh, this one, they went completely, uh, they went further away from that even mm-hmm. and have kind of gotten to something that I'm like, wow, Adriana would like this. And that's not something that I wanted for my hundredth. Um, to me, it's just very uh, like, uh, that's okay, man. You, you have that right to feel that way. About yeah. Stuff. And I, I was telling Adriana, I think I would be okay. And I think we mentioned this previously, if it was the same guys under a new name. Yeah, uh, we talked about rebranding and stuff, but um, at the end of the day, this is their creative project and they can do whatever the fuck they want with it, right? Yeah. We talked about this with bands like Hundreds, like Bring Me the Horizon, things of that nature. Um, it's totally on them. And if that's what they want to do, then by all means, they should. Um, but like, the problem with that is that it's taking equity, equity from a well-established sound and what they did previously and just flipping it on its head. Maybe they were afraid to release it under a new name because nobody would care if they did it. I think there's something to be said about that because yeah, the hundredth I mean, name it's, it's a two-sided coin definitely it really is equity. a two-sided coin yeah because you know i would have been pleased if they dropped it under a new name like chad wick's solo project was like purple velvet or something if they dropped it under that that would have kind of worked you yeah. know um i always i always say this man um i, I love hundredth and i still do i definitely feel 100 percent that like they are one album away from breaking out of this like weird middle ground with like a melodic hardcore band because up to that point they've been around for i don't know like seven eight i think 10 years they said they've been doing like melodic hardcore right and they would have broken out of this weird middle ground where people are like yeah hundredth and to where people are like holy shit like hundredth is the shit and they would have been headlining shows and they would have been the ones looking for like new and up and coming talent mm-hmm. whereas before they were supporting bands like every time oh, i yeah, die yeah. uh the devil wears prada Architects. um yeah, architects, stuff like that, right? And I feel, I, I truly feel that they were one really good album away from breaking away from that, hey, we're opening up for a big band to, hey, we're doing a fucking headliner. You come out, you see us now, we're bringing new talent, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. And I feel like I got to reiterate this every time Bring Me the Horizon drops a new album. If you're cool with it and you can sleep at night as the artist, do it. Because, you know, we may not love it, we we may not hate it, whatever, however we feel about it, that doesn't matter. Because if you're cranking out shit for money, people are going to know. And um, you're going to know yourself, you know, and you got to kind of live with your own demons at that point. Yep. Now let's get into how what I think about this. He, here's, here's my theory. And this is, I first noticed the cycle in the Halo community, right? Where, and just hear me out. Here's how it works in the Halo community. A new game comes out, a new line in the halo game comes out and people hate it right and they're like oh my god this is so bad why can't we go back to the last one and this is how it was with halo reach Mm -hmm. where people are like dude what the fuck is halo reach what are all these new mechanics this is garbage this feels like call of duty this is taken away from the halo name blah 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 why can't we go back to the halo 3 style of things right and then you got halo 4 come out and then people are like well maybe reach wasn't that bad and then halo 5 came out so now we're two let's just say albums instead of games right now we're two albums ahead and people are like dude why can't we just go back to reach reach was had the best multiplayer in the series blah 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 <laughs> yeah. and this and that and reach was so much fun dude they did a lot of cool implementing and this and that right and then the next game gets bumped down into that n- new slot where like dude eh, this game had yeah. this you know and it's this cycle and i think you're on this kind of weird cycle because when uh, that's the spirit came out by bringing with horizon. You're like, dude, I can't fucking do this. I can't fucking do this. Like Semper Eternal was like, you know, awesome, blah, 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 this and that. And then, uh, Amo came out and you're like, you know, there's a couple of tracks I liked off of, uh, that's the spirit, blah, blah, blah. You know, if they stuck with that, I think I would have still been on board, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's not what you fucking said on the album review three years ago or whatever. <laughs> right. And I think you're on this 
with hundredth because I didn't like rare. I did not like rare. I, I'm just going to throw it out there. And uh, I'm going to get into my my own cycle in a second here. <laughs> okay. But you didn't fucking like it. I didn't like it. But now that they're coming out with new stuff, you're like, well, Rare did this and that that I enjoyed. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think you're on that cycle. Now let me explain mine. I, here's my cycle. I get so invested in a fucking band. Yeah, then they start to suck. <laughs> and, and then they crank out something totally weird and oddball and just almost like a full 180 from why I love them. And then I get really upset and disappointed and I fucking hate everyone and I sleep in my closet because I can't deal with life anymore, right? And here's my example. 100th being rare. I did not like that album. And then Trophy Eyes, when they went from your traditional hardcore sound into the thing they called Chemical Miracle, right? That weird album that I did not enjoy whatsoever. And then when that artist comes out with something newer, that's when I start to make my amends because I did a Trophy Eyes album review of um, Friday Forever or whatever that last album was last year. And I really enjoyed it. American Dream. And that album was phenomenal. I quite enjoyed that. That was a good listen. And now when this 100th single dropped, I was like, this is pretty good. And I like it because one, it doesn't hide Chad's voice. I think he has a nice singing voice um, behind all these like effects and this and that and i didn't particularly give a shit about any of the instrumentals on rare i thought it was whatever i in fact like the rare remixes better than i liked rare I itself gonna, i was gonna get into that um i like this style of hundredth i like this kind of beach wave aesthetic and it's okay to hate it it really is because this is the same band that came out with one of my favorite hardcore metalcore whatever you want to call it albums of all time let go and i totally understand if you don't like it but i think what they're doing now i i think this is a lot more creative and, and i think they're taking better care of this uh whatever at least as opposed to rare in my opinion it's funny that you say that because you're like oh beach i totally get shopping at forever 21 from this that's what i get the mental picture of some, me sitting at forever 21 waiting for adrian to pick something out really dude i think that's like good skate music or like good beach weather music man Yeesh. Ugh, no, thank you but yeah wait, <laughs> wait till the next hundredth album you're gonna like you know what man this one's still I'm, not, I'm not even gonna listen to it I'm gonna listen to it. I'm gonna give it an honest review. Yep, I, they uh, they lost me at uh, yeah. How would you enjoy the the rare uh, remixes? I haven't listened to them yet. I'm gonna no. try, I'm gonna try to get into them. I um I dig them. I dig them more. What's, than the, the, what's album. the difference? What's the main difference here? It's uh it takes the tracks and it does what a DJ would. They like reproduce, remix, and like reorganize the tracks, add some new things, take away some old things, things like that. I think if you're even remotely interested in like the electronic genre. If you have a passing interest in like Daft Punk and things of that nature, I think you'll get a good kick out of this. Interesting, interesting. I I, I like that loads better than the album itself, hmm. and that's just my opinion on it. And you know, I've been kind of in the electronic genre for like ever now, but that's just me. True. So I mean, do what you want, I guess, right? But absolutely, it's their thing at the end. Yep. All right, Gabe. So do you have a retro review for us next week? Yeah, I do. So um, okay. I'm actually going to ask you how familiar you are with this band because um, I've brought them up probably more than a dozen times on this podcast. I don't know if you actually know what I'm fucking talking about, though. Do you know who Highly Suspect is? You. This is the band with the mask, right? With the what? No, that's no, that's uh, that's another band. No, I don't know them then. You, you don't know them then? No. You've never heard anything by them? No. All right. So um, I found them before they were anything, before they were hot shit, because that's what they are now, right? They're like a commodity that everybody can't get enough of. Um, their first real studio album came out four years ago. Uh, it'll be four in two weeks. So it's not that old. It's not that retro, but I want to do a retro review on this because I think this is right in your vein of rock and roll. Highly suspect. Highly said. suspect. The album is called Mr. Asylum. Mr. Asylum. Mr. Asylum. It's 10 tracks. I think you could suffer through it. <laughs> that's, that's reassuring. I think, um, 
I think you'll get a good kick out of it. Highly suspect. Okay, hold on. I'm doing it now, so I don't forget because I will totally forget Mr. Asylum Rock. Okay. You know, we cover a lot of, uh, I don't want to say a lot of genres. We cover a lot of fucking metalcore on this podcast, (laughs) and we go into depth on a lot of albums we like. So let's just take a a small little detour, a small little uh, circle around, you know, and let's just do something rock and roll-y. Sure, absolutely. So, with that, you got anything else to add, Gabe? No, man. It's been a. I think it's been a good week. I think we have a solid chunk of time on here. I think I'm just filling in the gaps right now. I'm watching the time bar go up. Yeah. Um. Oh, really quick. I want to give a quick shout out to MK11. Um. It, yeah, I know. You're like, oh my god, MK talk. At, you know, at the music from Gabe. Um. It's been the <laughs> best selling game on all platforms of 2019 so far. Really. Uh. Shout out to Ed Boone. Shout out to Nether Realm Studio. Shout out to even Warner Bros. Because it's one thing to to sell Mortal Kombat, but it's a completely different thing to have Mortal Kombat be the best-selling game on all platforms in 2019 yeah. so far. And that, that is truly an achievement. That probably hasn't happened since, like, the 90s, probably. Probably uh, probably since, like, MK3, man. Honestly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, Because there's too. that weird period in between where nobody gave a crap. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Okay, well, attaboy. Attaboy, Boone. Good stuff. Hitting Guess what I just part. picked up today? What'd you pick up today? Black Ops 3. <laughs> <laughs> it was like ten dollars. Yeah, you're a couple of games behind that game. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You, you know how I feel about Call of Duty, but we're getting back into zombies, so this should oh be gosh. fun. Do they have good zombies? I don't even remember. Well, they have the whole Zombie Chronicle DLC thing, where it's ah. like the best voted fan map. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so, so with that, that's you know, that's the deal, and we'll be back next week for episode 123. Wow, I get to say one, two, three next. Week. Yeah, Sweet. you do. She. So yeah, we got that going. Other than that, man, I, th- I think that's that's the, that's the pod. Yeah, that's the podcast. Until next time, this is. Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids podcast. You can like us on iTunes, Google, anywhere else podcasts are found. Any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at secondcitykids at gmail.com. Until next week, folks, deuces. Deuces.